Father, we thank you today. We know that as we've sung, you are perfect in all of your ways. We are very aware that we are so imperfect. But we thank you that your perfect presence doesn't reject us, doesn't condemn us, but you accept us in Christ Jesus. We thank you. Like David, we could say, Lord, if you marked my sin, I'd never be able to stand in your presence, in the presence of perfection. I'd never, ever be able to confidently come before you. But like David, we can say, as a result of our experience of knowing you, there's forgiveness with you. Thank you. We are forgiven. Thank you that the blood of Christ cleanses us from every stain, from every mark of shame, because you are a good, good Father. Perfect in all of your ways. We stumble and fall all the time. But you don't come and hit us across the head and try and teach us a lesson from the sin that we've fallen into. Quite the opposite. You jump into the mud with us. You wipe us down. You're not afraid to get yourself soiled and dirty in what stained us. But Lord, we thank you. You wipe us down. You clean us up so that we can carry on walking with you. Why don't we right now, church, give him praise. Give him praise. He's cleansed us. He's forgiven us. Our salvation is secure for eternity, for time and eternity. Jesus, we praise you and we honor you and we thank you. We bless you. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give our musicians a great encouragement today. You may be seated. Right now, we're going to come to God's Word. We're having a great morning, being encouraged in His presence. He is always encouraging, helping, and forgiving. Wonderful. I'm going to continue on this morning with what we've been looking at over the last uh, few weeks. I've been looking at Joseph, and I opened with a verse from Genesis chapter 37 last week regarding Joseph and uh, the gift that he received from his father, Jacob. Verse 3 of chapter 27 says this, Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. Jacob loved Joseph. He gives him this amazing coat of many colors. It was a sign and a symbol of his love, of his favor, of his plan for him. That's what we've been exploring over the weeks. That's what we certainly delved into last week. And what we began to think about as we read this particular verse last week was that possibly God's vested all of us with a coat. Jacob gave Joseph a coat. It was a sign of his love. It was a symbol of his faith. It wasn't just a few colors. The coat carried many colors. The coat carried many different types of material. Jacob took 
all of the exquisite materials and all of the exquisite colors of the time and he brought them all together he collected them all together and he stitched them and he sewed them together and it took time it took thought it took planning it took skill but after Jacob had finished it there was only one boy that was going to wear the coat Jacob had numerous sons, but there was one boy that was destined to wear the coat. It was the youngest kid, 17 years of age. It was draped on the back of Joseph because Joseph was the child of Jacob's old age. He was the one that Joseph loved, and he was the one that got the coat of many colors. We said last week, maybe God's given all of us a coat. And that coat could be life itself. Life is full of many colors. It's not just simply full of the bright colors. I spoke to you last week about an incident with my children when they wanted me to paint a picture with them one Saturday morning. And we began to paint on the, the, the paper, but it soon went onto the table, on the floor, up the walls. It went onto their bodies and my body. But the main colors that they were using, the only colors that they were using was the bright colors. And over time, I began to look and see how the craft box was full of the dark colors, unopened, but the bright colors were always empty. Sometimes in life, we only want to have a life full of bright color. We don't see any positive working with the dark colors coming onto the canvas of our lives. But if we were to go around this room and reflect, we would not only see many bright colors of God's blessing, many bright colors of God's destiny on our lives, we would also see how God has mysteriously used even the darkest, the blackest colors of life on the canvas of our life to bring forth a masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Paul says that we are God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Your life is a masterpiece. Today you may not be happy with the colors that have been used across the canvas of your life. There may have been dark colors. There may have been horrible colors. You may be today in this place Wondering why a stroke has gone across your life this last week or this last past year that has been an ugly strike across the canvas of your life and you're trying to derive meaning from that color. When you're looking around at your brothers and sisters, your friends and your family, they haven't got that ugly score across the canvas of their life. You didn't ask for that color to come onto the scene of your life, but come it has. I propose to you that God is going to use that color. It may be an ugly color. It may be a disgusting color. It may be a color of a sin that you didn't bring upon yourself but was imposed upon you by another as a child. But I propose to you that God can use every color, every circumstance, every crisis in life to bring praise to him, to bring glory, to perfect you and to, to display something wonderful and something magnificent and something glorious. It's only God that can do it. If we were left with the brush in our hand 
and we had the job to paint the picture of our lives, of course we would only use the up times. We would never use the low times. We would only use the great times. We would only use the headline times. We would never use the dark times. But in reality, for a masterpiece to be painted, it has to use every single color available to the palette. Every color, the bright needs to bleed with the black. The gray needs to merge with all of the other wonderful colors that are displayed in order for there to be perspective, in order for there to be depth, in order for there to uh, be pers- uh, a picture, for it, for it to be formed, there has to be the use of many, many different colors. Can I say that when, jo- when Jacob gave Joseph this coat, maybe he didn't realize that this was going to be the sign and the symbol of what was ahead in this future, for this, in the future of this boy. Maybe he didn't realize that the coat was more than a physical garment displaying his favor. Maybe Jacob didn't realize, or maybe he did realize, that Joseph was going to go through not just the bright, glorious colors of receiving a dream from God in the privacy of his own bedroom. Maybe Jacob or Joseph didn't realize that those bright colors were soon going to go into bleak, black colors of hatred and, and, and rejection and confusion and betrayal and accusation. The coat symbolized a life that Joseph was going to lead. The coat and all of its colors symbolized all of the experience, all of the experiences that were going to filter onto the canvas of his life to make his life great. It was David who said, through adversity, God, you've made me great. Did David want to go through adversity? The color of adversity. Did David want to be hunted and chased up and down the countryside and known as a rebel and a fugitive year after year? Did he, did he want to go through those dark periods in the cave? Did he want to feign madness in the land of the Philistines? Humiliating himself. He was a warrior. He was a champion. And yet all of these vast colors came onto the canvas of his life as they came onto the canvas of David's life. But after it all, it was David that's known as the man after God's own heart. Life is full of color. You don't get that quality of being a man after God's own heart by just having the bright colors, by just having the headlines. And we live in a fast culture. We live in a culture that only shows the best photo, only writes the best comment when you want to look at my life. But if you want to come into my life and if you want to see the colors of my life, you ain't just going to get four bright colors. You're going to get a full palette of experience. And it's the same for you. Don't be ashamed of those colors that may not be so attractive because after it all, you will see something wonderful. You know, I remember, I was thinking about this this morning, just as I prepared. I remember, as a, as, as a, as a young person, visiting an art gallery. And um, it was a school trip. And I remember going up to this picture, and uh, obviously it's in the gallery, so it, was, it, it had some renown. 
And I remember walking right up close to it and just staring at it. And an attendant came that was showing us around the gallery. And she said to me, son, stand back. Stand back. You'll never get the full perspective of the picture. You're standing too close. You will never ever see the magnificence of this picture by going up close. You'll never see how the, how the, the, the colors come together and formulate something magnificent by standing up close, almost touching it with your nose. I stood back. The perspective was different. The picture emerged clear. Very often in life, when the colors of our life change, we're up so close we can't see what's happening. We go through a difficult time. We go through a difficult season. We face circumstances we never dreamed we would face. Decisions we make we never thought we would have to make. Colors bleeding and blending. We, we, we only want the bright colors, but the black colors of confusion and fear come onto the canvas of our life. And sometimes because we're immersed in them, sometimes because we're up so close to them, we can't get perspective. We can't see with clarity what's happening. Don't worry. God's in charge. Isn't he, Paul? He's in charge. He's in charge of the picture. His sovereign hand, his mysterious ways, maneuvers every color on the canvas of your life. God, talking about himself to the Israelites one day, said this, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Higher than the heavens are my ways from your ways. And higher than the heavens from the earth are my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes the most confusing moments is when God is having to think about your life and rearranging things and changing things and maneuvering things. And you can't work it out. Of course you can't. His thoughts are higher than yours. His ways are higher than yours. But in hindsight, you will be able to one day look back on it all and find meaning and find sense for every single circumstance and every single color. God uses it. Jacob gives Joseph the coat and it's in his old age. Jacob, Joseph's father, had had a very colorful life and extremely colorful life I think that Jacob really couldn't hand Joseph a coat of just a few colors he had to hand him a coat of many colors because it typified his life as a father a young father would have just succumbed to the luminous shell suit wear that son cheap and nasty but not Jacob not Jacob he was an old man He'd experienced life. He'd he'd gone through the highs and the lows. He'd received the blessing of his father Isaac many, many years before as a young man. What a colorful experience that was. In that room with his father when he he was given the blessing, handed the blessing regarding his future. But he deceived his father Jacob. He'd nicked his brother's blessing. Esau was left angered and enraged and full of wrath. And then Jacob, with the blessing, with the color on his life, runs for his life to his uncle Laban's house. Everything changes in a moment. It goes from blessing 
to barrenness, but on the way he meets God and gets an encounter. And then suddenly he's out of his dad's house and he's on a journey. Jacob's on a journey. Why? Because God was filling his life with color. And his nature as a deceiver and as a liar and as a cheat was filling his life with a color. He gets to Uncle Laban's house and immediately there's a color change. What happens? He falls in love with a beautiful girl called Rachel. He's absolutely besotted. He's infatuated. His head is on another planet. Literally. And there's a color change in his life. Maybe the man, the father of Joseph, wants to, you know, change his deceitful behavior. Maybe at this point in his life, because of the color change before him, when he sees this beautiful girl, he wants to settle down. I'm going to change my ways. I want to have a family. Do you know what? I, I came into this world grasping at the heel of my brother Esau. But now I want to change my life. I want to change the color. I want everything to become normal. I want to have a nice family like everybody else. He has a chat with Uncle Laban. And he says, listen. I love your daughter, Rachel. Can I work for you to obtain her? And Rachel's in love with him. And J Jacob comes up with this plan. Listen, I'll, I'll work for seven years. You can read it in Genesis. It's amazing. I'll work for seven years for you. If I can just but have Rachel's hand. He works for seven years. And the Bible says something incredible. It says, it seemed but a matter of days for Jacob. It seemed but just a matter of days. He was so in love. He was so besotted with, with, with Rachel that the seven years, the seven long years of labor, of hard work, of toil, seemed but just moments to this man because he was in love. The color of his life was immersed in affection, was immersed in desire, was immersed in love and infatuation and the work and the toil of seven years seemed but a moment. There are seasons in our life where everything's wonderful, when we're going for a purpose and a vision and an objective and we're going hard at it and it seems but moments because the colors are good. The seven year ends and Jacob's ready. I'm going to be a family man. Everything's going to go right. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to receive my bride. Everything's set. And there's a bit of a party. And I don't think Jacob realized that deceit ran in his family. And it didn't just extend to... You know, his own household, it extended to his uncle, uncle's household as well. And there was about to be a color change in Jacob's life that he never anticipated. That's how drastic life can change. That's how sudden the, 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 the colors on a canvas can change. Jacob has a bit of a party with everybody else. I'm going to receive my bride, Rachel. Wonderful. He goes into his tent, ready to consummate the marriage with his wife. And he consummates the marriage. He'd had wine. He'd drunk wine. He consummates the marriage and he wakes up 
with a different bride, Leah. Now Leah is his wife. He's worked for seven hard years and it seems but moments he wasn't in love with Leah. He had no desire for Leah. He had no future with Leah. Now suddenly he's in a legal binding covenant. There is no divorce in those days, my friend. It's, it's legally binding and he's got Leah. He goes to Laban and he says, what on earth has gone on? You talk about a color change. You talk about going from the beauty of infractuous love, the beauty of, you know, the headiness of romance to receive your bride, to, to waking up with ugly old Leah. <laughs> Forgive me if your name's Leah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. He goes, to his he goes to Laban and Laban just passes him off. Like any deceiver would. Well, you know, in our culture, if you have one sister, you've got to have the, the other. So I thought I'd give you Leah first because I really knew that you'd never go for Leah. So if you have her first, you can work a bit more. Work another week and I'll give you Rachel. And immediately, the point is this. Immediately, the dynamic of his life changes. From wonder and glory, a man that just wants to settle down, a man that just wants to have, you know, a, a wife and, and some kids. And there's relational strain. You study the history of that man. You, you walk down the road of life with him and you see Leah arguing with Rachel and Rachel arguing with Leah. They can't have children. They're, they're hitting Jacob. Come on, you're a man. Give us children. They can't have children. They're crying out to God. There's relational confusion in the midst of it all. And yet, amidst all of the craziness of that situation, the blessing of God is still on the man's life. Life and circumstance and the ugly colors that come through crisis and all of the events that we cannot understand, cannot remove the blessing of God off your life. Amen. It's on you. It's on you. So maybe Jacob, as he reflected about life and all of the colors that he'd gone through, in his old age, he looks at his young son, 17 years of age, he hadn't lived life. He didn't know what life was about. He'd never really had a crisis or a, or a challenge because he'd lived in the comforts of his father's house. Maybe Jacob made that coat because really it was his coat. It was Jacob's coat. And he put it on Joseph, not knowing that as a result of putting it on Joseph... It would become Joseph's coat. That coat was taken, ripped off his back, spattered with blood. It was taken back to Jacob as a sign of deceit. As Joseph went on his journey, his colorful journey, from pit to being sold in a, in, in a slave market, to being accused of rape, to be thrown in prison for life. All of the colors successively used on the canvas of his life to paint a glorious masterpiece. I remember reading a story, an amazing testimony really, of a pastor, a great pastor from Nigeria, a man by the name of Pastor Benson Idahosa, an incredible man of God. When he was two days old, his, his mum and dad 
made a decision to throw him on a rubbish dump to die because they were, they were poor. The next day, his mum wakes up and she hears the cry of this little baby that they'd thrown on the rubbish dump to die the day before. She runs, she picks him up, and she takes him to safekeeping away from his father who was determined to kill him. He grows and he comes up through life until he at one moment receives Christ. He goes through hardship after hardship after hardship. It seems as if Benson Idahoza is destined for the rubbish tip. All of the colors were gloomy and black and gray for the future of this kid. And yet he received Christ and that's where the colors started to change. He received Christ and at 18 years of age, he, he remarked, it was then when I wore my first pair of shoes. Jesus gave him a pair of shoes at the age of 18. One day, Jesus was talking to Benson, this young man that had no color in his life, but the bleak, black, gray colors of crisis after crisis. Jesus spoke to him and said, Benson, I am going to send you to the ends of the earth. Benson responded to him and said, Lord, that's impossible. So Jesus said to Benson, why is it impossible? Benson, who was then just but a young man, he said, because I'm black. Didn't you notice? I'm black. He was a black man. But more than that, his life was black. The circumstance, the crisis after the crisis after the crisis gave this man not just black skin, but a black life experience. I'm black, he protested. Didn't you notice God? To which Jesus quietly answered and said, No, Benson. He's fantastic. He sets you up. No, Benson. I didn't realize you were black. I thought I created you in my image after my likeness. Benson gets it as a young man. He goes to the ends of the earth. He sets up over 500 churches. He has an apostolic ministry, an apostolic garment on his life with every single color draped over it. He's healing the sick. He's performing signs and wonders. He raised over 30 dead people. And he gets a colorful life, a colorful ministry as a result of one change, one stroke, one encounter with Jesus Christ. A young man that was thrown, a baby that was thrown on a rubbish dump becomes a world changer, a history maker as a result of the King of Kings. I'm telling you, circumstance, circumstance does not hold your destiny in its hand. The sovereign does. I know the plans that I have for you, God says. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. Plans to do good things for you and to do you no harm. God's in control of the canvas. Yeah, we love him. And he's given you this word today to encourage you, to strengthen you, to enable you, like Faith said, to stand and continue to stand, even if the colors are refusing to change. God brings meaning from those, from those colors. Solomon, 
in his understanding of life as an aged king. You see, it takes time to understand that God uses many different colors on the canvas of your life. It takes time to get perspective. It takes time to look back in hindsight and see the meaning and, and, and the purpose of life itself. Solomon is a wise king. Towards the end of his life, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is an incredible work itself. In Ecclesiastes 3, he paints this glorious picture again about life. He says, everything has a time and a season. There's a time to be born. The brightest moment of a family when a new addition is given from God. A baby comes forth and brightens the home. Children grow. You see them growing. They're full of excitement. And they take all of your strength and all of your energy and all of your emotional capacity. But you would do it over and over again because when, when God birth something in your home there's something glorious and something wonderful about it there's a time to be born he says but he balances the colors he brings reality to the brightness that he uses when he announces that there's a time to be born he says there's also a time to die and he's not just talking about life he could be talking about many different things things that are initiated things that are born and then suddenly things that suddenly come to an end he says there's a time to plant. There's a time to get excited about what you're sowing. Because you know that it's going to bring forth growth and life. But there's also a time to uproot. Solomon through that, that chapter, chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, paints a glorious picture at the end of his life. Looking at all of the shades. Not just the three or four bright colors of life. But all of the many, many aspects of life in its full orb, in its full picture. Life has many colors. It has many, many multicolors, many layers. David in Psalm 23, I referred to this last week as an old king, looks back down the corridor of time over his life. And he paints a picture in Psalm 23. He paints a glorious picture. It's a picture full of color. It's a picture full of bright color, but it's also a picture that's bled with dark colors and difficult colors and colors of confusion and colors that we would never have on the canvas, but he paints it in its fullness. Romans 8:28. We know these words very well. Paul in this Amazing chapter, Romans 8. Again, in many ways, he's painting such a colorful picture. He's painting this, this masterpiece of life. He talks about all of the wonderful things that have happened as a result of Jesus being in our life. He says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Wonderful, rich color. Our, our salvation is secure. Our position in Jesus is, is permanent. We can't move out of it. We're in lock, stock and barrel. 
wonderful beginning but then Paul talks about the sufferings that are facing him the tribulations that are coming at him every direction the hardships the 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 resistance and the opposition that's hitting him but then he comes to this wonderful verse and this is his contribution this is his response to all of the outer things all of the colorful experiences that are surrounding him as an apostle just wanting to serve Jesus. Hit from left to right. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He's saying God uses every color. He uses all things together for good. The masterpiece of your life will display God's goodness all over it. The colors that seem so harsh, the colors and the experiences that seem so bitter now, God will use for his good. He will. He works all things. As a master artist, he works the colors. He mixes the colors. He blends the colors so that a magnificent masterpiece can stand not just for time but on into eternity. God works all things. He works all things and he works all things together for his good because we love him. This is the testimony. This is the story of every saint of God that we read of in the Bible. We could go through person after person and see how God used every circumstance. When men and women came to the end of their road, when they came to the end of themselves, when they fell on their face and cried out in panic, hopelessly dependent on God, God suddenly turns and maneuvers the colors to make something great and something beautiful. This is the testimony not only of those who have formerly gone before us, but this is our testimony too. It really is. As we reflect on what he's done. Finally, Joseph gets taken from the prison. Pharaoh has a dream. He can't understand it. It's a setup from God. He's been sent ahead to bring great salvation. But he's in a prison. He's got a dream ticking on his life. It's taken 13 years of horrid color on the canvas to prepare him for a magnificent moment. You can't make sense of the things that have gone on in your past. Crazy, mad things. If we went round the room this morning and talked about just some of the experiences that all of us have gone through, I think we'd be shocked. I think we would just be amazed at just the color, the life color represented in this room alone. You can't make sense of it. But the encouragement for you today, like for me, is that Joe, Joseph, Joey, is in the lowest moment of his life. 
And time has been ticking for 13 years and he doesn't think he's going anywhere and suddenly he gets transported from the lowest moment into the highest moment. And now a new color, a new color is being diffused from him. God's never left him. God's always been with him. Favor and blessing and wisdom has always been there. Even though the, the, the times have been hard, even though the times have been difficult, the spirit of this man was magnificent. A young man never lost his spirit of excellence, never lost his sharp edge, never lost his contribution and his willingness to give. He never resigned. He never backed down. He never said, well, I'm giving it all up because this is just too hard. I didn't sign up for this. No, maybe he understood the sovereign hand of God that life was a a multifaceted experience, not just a one-dimensional color. Maybe he realized that all of the hardship, all of the confusion, all of the mess-ups were actually a contribution, were actually an investment into him to make him something great. Your problem is not your enemy. Your crisis is doing something far bigger than you can imagine. And by the end of it, God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Because he's told you about things. And you said, yeah, in the middle of the night. You said, yeah, I'll do it, God. Not knowing that there would be a huge price. There would be a huge process. There would be a messy, messy life experience to get to the other end of it. But by the time God's finished with you, you will stand like this kid did in your destiny knowing that God has brought you through and brought you into what he's designed for your life stands up before Pharaoh the kid that heard his brothers scream in his ear we'll see what becomes of your dream the kid that heard His brothers laugh about his life, belittle his claim that God had spoken to him and God had encountered him and God was burning in his heart. The kid that heard all the derision and the deriding remarks that must have bruised him mentally and emotionally. The kid that heard all of that suddenly stands before Pharaoh and is talking on a plane that nobody would have ever imagined he could have talked and ministered on. He begins to give wisdom and all of the colors of God begin to reflect out of him. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 38 to 43, it says this, And Pharaoh said to his servants, I read this last week, it's incredible. Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him. In garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried out before him bow the knee so he set him over all 
the land of Egypt. Life is colorful. But don't get dismayed by the colors. Don't get dismayed by the color change, by the smudge across the canvas. Don't get dismayed. But with James, see the fierce temptation that you're struggling and wrestling with to overcome. And it's got you in a headlock again. Or the trial that you are thrown into, that you fall into. You would have avoided it if you'd have just paid more attention. You would have avoided it and skirted around it if you could have. But it's on the map. It's on the road. It's destined for you. You've been trusted by God with a problem. You've been trusted by God with a crisis. You've been trusted by God to, to, to encounter that temptation. You've been trusted by God to be tested and to come under trial and to be inspected. You've been trusted by God because he knows there's more in you than you think he knows there's a spirit of an overcomer inside you he knows the colors of Christ's life inside you that you can rise up and overcome and be more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you he knows you can do all things through him like James look at it the horrid temptation that you're being tempted with the awful trial of pressure that you're coming under in work, in family, in life itself. Count it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces. And then James talks about all of the colors that's produced as a result of those experiences. Joseph entered into his destiny ready and on time for the moment for the moment that God had prepared him for there's a moment there's a moment that you're going to walk into and in that moment you'll say thank you God for allowing me to go on the road that you led me on there's a moment that some of you are going to step into. It's going to be a moment of great blessing. It's going to be a moment of great influence. I'm telling you now, I'm not dreaming this stuff up. God gave me this 6.30 in the morning last Sunday morning. Believe me, I'm not studying this. I'm not trying to scowl the internet or look through a library of books. He came on me and gave me this, not for me, friends, for you. For you. I'm just the silly old postman that you don't say hello to when you get your mail through the door. You never bow down to the postman and say, oh, thank you, you're such a wonderful man. No, you just, all right, thanks, bye. Shut the door, open the mail. What's important, not the postman, the mail. This is for you, friends. God's speaking to you. There's a moment that all of the colors of life have prepared you for. And you're going to step into them. And in that moment, you will realize why. 
You've walked the strange journey that you've walked. Amen? Amen. Let's close our eyes just a moment, bow our heads. I'm going to ask Joe just to come and just sing a song for us, a great song. He's going to bless us. And just let the Holy Spirit help you like he helps me. Let him just minister comfort. You see, sometimes when the colors won't change, do you know what you need? A bit of comfort. And Jesus said, I will send you another comforter. I wonder why. I'll tell you why. Because we need a lot of comfort. Colors are hard. Colors are severe. It's black and white and gray. And sometimes the colors are bitter. They're bitter. That's why he sends us another comforter. Paul said, I pray that the God of all comfort will comfort you. The God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. What a magnificent title. He's got comfort for every color. He's got comfort for every circumstance. There isn't a circumstance outside of the comfort that he can bring. Joe's going to minister to us and let the comfort of God touch you today. There's nothing to do. 
Maybe today you're in this place and you've sung with us and you've listened. But you know inside you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Maybe you think, well, I've got so many reasons why he wouldn't come into my life. I had those reasons too, so I know what you're talking about. Everybody in this room, in fact had the same reasons and objections that you may hold today. We've all said, Lord, you wouldn't accept us because. But like Joe sang so wonderfully. Joe, that was incredible, mate. Absolutely awesome. Awesome. Wonderful gift. Amazing gift. Like Joe so wonderfully said, there's nothing too dirty that he can't make worthy. It's the Christian message. It's not about what you've been or, or where you've been or what you've been or what you've done. It doesn't matter how dirty we feel. He can make us worthy. And today I'm going to give you a moment right now. You say, Jesus, I, I want to be made 
worthy. You can't make yourself worthy by praying or doing all kinds of spiritual things that people tell you to do. That isn't going to get you anywhere. Can't do anything to save ourselves. But by you just inviting Jesus to take your dirt, I asked him to take my dirt and he made me worthy. He will make you worthy today. I want to pray a really, really simple prayer with you right now, quietly, quietly. We close our eyes. Just say this in your heart. Jesus, I ask you today to be my savior. Somehow inside, I know that you're alive. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to save me. I want you to live in my heart, to take center stage of my life to help me. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness. Amen. Now, while eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you quickly lift your hand up? We've got a little booklet we want to give to you. That's right, there's hands going up. Just keep them raised and we'll give you a little booklet. That's right. Excellent. Some hands at the back there. That's it. Don't be afraid. He takes the dirt of our lives, the colors of a past of shame, the colors of a past of failure, and he takes them and he makes them worthy. He takes the broken and makes it beautiful. That's what he does. I'm going to ask Joe to sing this song again. I'm going to, while he sings, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. And right now, why don't we just lift our hands as an act of surrender? That's what we're going to do. We're going to surrender over our life and its mystery, our life and its confusion, our life and its color. I had no idea, people, I'd be talking about this. I tell you now, when God puts something into your heart, I know that I can't do this stuff. I tell you, I'll be the first to tell you. I'd be the first to tell you. I just wait for daily bread. And without it, my boat is sunk. But every time he comes, not for me, but for you. Surrender. Surrender. Let's sing it, Joe. He works all things together for good. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. That you can make worthy. Today's a new day. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing to dirty that you can make worthy. You wash me in mercy. Oh, watch in the 
redemption. Lord, we thank you. Lord, you came not to criticize. You came, you left the splendor of heaven not to attack. Lord, but you came with love to reach into a broken world, to reach into human existence that was lost and to bring hope. So, Lord, for every person here today, Lord, I pray that they would leave this place knowing that there's a redeeming Jesus that is shouting and in victory songs from the sidelines. There is a God that is shouting to see us come across the finish line. Lord, we thank you for each one of us. You've declared that you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Lord, if there are people in this place today and they feel their life is just one tragedy, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have the ability to reach into our lives, to reach and touch us each individually, and Lord, to bring color, and Lord, to work things together for your good. So Lord, bless people today. Lord, I pray they would go with renewed hope. Lord, and they would just know that you are with us. You're not against us. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.